You're listening to audio from Harvest Bible Chapel, Philadelphia, where we believe in preaching the authoritative power of God's Word each and every week. For more content and information about our church, visit harvestphiladelphia.org. You can open your Bibles to John chapter 15. Uh, If you do not have a Bible, I believe there are some ushers in the aisles who would love to give you one. And uh, we want you to see... uh, God's word in your hand for yourself. Uh, It is so important that you understand that this isn't just about what I'm here saying this morning, but that this is about what God is saying to you. And uh, it's so good, so good to be here with you guys this morning. Um, I love your pastor, Pastor Matt. I got to spend some time with him this past week. We were on a retreat together, and uh, there there was uh, about 100 other pastors, and most of their wives, unfortunately, we weren't able to see your lovely pastor's wife there this week, but um, we were able to spend some time with them as a part of the Great Commission Collective, and uh, Matt and I were texting back and forth, and we said, hey, you know what, why don't we like uh, share the experience of being together in partnership, and he's out at my church this morning, and I'm here this morning with you, and, uh, and so I'm thrilled for our church to get to hear from him today, and uh, I'm so excited to be here with you. He's, he's out in the rural countryside of southern Lancaster County, and uh, and I love the fact that no matter what our context is, whether we're in a city or we're, we're in the rural countryside, uh, we are after the same thing. I, I, I can know and I can trust that here and there, uh, the authority of God's word is being proclaimed with boldness. And I can trust that we are after the making of disciples and the fulfillment of the Great Commission to the glory of God in the spirit of the Great Commandment. I can trust that we're after that. Are you after that here? Amen, amen. And so it is such a privilege to be a part of what God is doing in the Great Commission Collective. And um, so if you don't know anything about Lancaster County, I'm guessing that you probably do because we're fairly close. It only took us an hour to get here. But if you don't know, uh, Lancaster County is is mostly farmland, especially where we live. We're on the southern side. We're like, I'm sure Matt had to pass like 13 buggies on his way this morning. And... um, and so it's mostly farmland. In fact, it's some of the richest soil in all of the world. And so uh, if you don't have a farm, uh, some people uh, like to garden. And this year we decided that we would try our hand at gardening, uh, which, which is definitely an experimental stages. Let me just tell you, because um, we, we, we built some nice raised beds, not because the soil was bad, but just because we wanted to not have to bend over as far. And we didn't want uh, animals to eat our, our plants and stuff like that. And so we built some raised beds and then we dumped that nice fertile soil into those raised beds and, and we put some mushroom soil in there too. That makes it uh, really rich and nutritious for the plants. And, um, and yet we discovered, even though we had all this great soil and we had these great raised beds, that we have a lot to learn about gardening. We, we discovered that you like really can't plant your plants too close together. Like the package instructions actually mean what they say. When, when you know, you're supposed to plant it every so many feet. And, and we, we discovered that the zucchini will just overtake anything that's around them. And, and so we had zucchinis coming out of our ears and not much else. And uh, we discovered that if you want to have tomatoes, you actually have to prune the vine. I don't know if you knew that, but you, you actually have to like clip it back. Because we had these huge, gigantic tomato plants and barely any tomatoes. Like tomatoes are something that should be coming out of your ears when you have tomato plants, but we had barely anything. And the ones that we did have were teeny, tiny, puny little tomatoes, and a lot of them rotted on the vine. And so we're going to try again this year, uh, but uh, we have a lot of learning to do. And um, you go to all this effort to plant the garden, and you expect a harvest, and then you just, you don't get a lot out of it. 
And I think a lot of times that the Christian life can feel like that. Do you ever experience that? Like you're going to all this effort only to see a little bit of fruit. We can get tired. And we can wonder if it's worth it. We can think, like, like this repenting of sin thing is just exhausting. Like, like I, I conquer one sin and I think it's over with and all of a sudden like 10 other sins rise up in its place. We, we can think this, this planting a church thing sounded really exciting and it gets tiresome though, right? Like our church is 11 years old, we're still tired. We set up and tear down and we, we, we lead small group and, and we teach Harvest Kids and we serve on the worship team. And like, maybe you're just feeling like, I just feel burned out sometimes. We can think, this, this loving others in the church thing is for the birds, right? Like I get vulnerable in my small group. I, I, I open up my heart, I let it all out there and then I get burned. Relationships are hard. You ever feel anything like that? Just honestly in church, raise your hand if you did. In the text we're going to study today, we are going to see that following Jesus is worth all of it. It's worth all of it. And we're going to see that the fruit that he wants to produce isn't always where we think it's going to come from. In the text we're going to study today, we're going to see that it's not do more, try harder, maybe feel guilty and then guilt myself into producing more fruit. The way that we live a productive Christian life is, is counterintuitive to what our flesh wants. What we need to learn to do is to abide in Christ. That's the big idea for the day. Uh, abide in Jesus as the only source of life who can produce the fruit the Father seeks. Abide in Jesus as the only source of life who can produce the fruit the Father seeks. So your Bibles are open to John chapter 15. And uh, this is the, the farewell discourse in the book of John. It's called that uh, because these are some of the last words that Jesus spoke to his disciples before he was crucified and then rose again. But it's also called that because the topic is largely consumed with the idea of what is going to happen after Jesus ascends and returns to the right hand of the Father. Well, like these guys have just spent the last three years of their life almost every single waking moment with Jesus, right? And they have given up everything for him. They've left their families. They've left their occupation. They've left everything to follow Jesus. And now he's not going to be physically present with them anymore. And so what is this going to look like? What is this going to look like? And so as we get into chapter 15, they're now walking as they're talking. Uh, they, they have just left the upper room where they celebrated one last Passover meal together, where Jesus washed their feet. And now they're walking uh, down the Valley of Kidron and up the Mount of Olives to the Garden of Gethsemane, where Jesus is going to spend some time in some very intense prayer with the Father. He's going to show us what does it look like to abide in the Father when suffering is hard, when the heat is up. This is one of his darkest hours, because then he's going to be betrayed and crucified. And as they walk through the Valley of Kidron, 
they probably would have looked up at the temple and they would have seen uh, this golden vine intricately carved on the side of the temple wall. And that's because the, the vine was the national symbol of Israel. And, and they would have also passed by some vineyards probably because it was a very common crop in the day and, and farmers would have been just uh, raising what the, what the common crop was, one of the staples. And uh, so it's in that context then that Jesus says these words in John 15, verse one. Read with me. He says, I am the true vine and my father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit He prunes that it may bear more fruits. Already you are clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine. You are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers, and the branches are gathered, thrown into the fire, and burned. We're seeking to abide in Jesus as the only source of life who can produce the fruit the Father seeks. Now, now, that word abide... It isn't a word that we use very often, is it? Like, like, when was the last time you in a conversation were just like, hey, I was abiding today, it was great. Like, what does it even mean? And, and so at our church, we've been going through a series uh, this year, just since the beginning of January, called Abide. And um, uh, this has really been actually a, a large theme of my own spiritual growth in the past year. Like, what does it mean to, to get close to Jesus and to hear from his voice and not from the rest of the world and not from all the opinions that are going on in, in church world and, and all the things that, that make us turn sideways? You know, uh, what does it mean to abide? And this has just been rocking our church. It's been so life-giving, so refreshing to look at what this means And so the definition that we're using is this. It's up on the screen. To remain in constant awareness of, connection to, and dependence upon the power and presence of our loving Savior. To remain in constant awareness of, connection to, and dependence on the power and presence of our loving Savior. So this idea of abiding is, is this idea of remaining, or it's constancy. It's, it's not so much an activity that we do. So a lot of times we think of abiding as like, I got my cup of coffee, and, and I have my Bible open, and it's quiet, and you moms are like, yeah, that never happens, right? And so I'm never actually abiding. Uh, you know, a lot of times we, we have this picture of abiding that is, is like me in my quiet time. And that's part of abiding, that fuels abiding, but abiding is not so much an activity as it is a posture of the heart that we maintain. And it helps, it causes us to remain over the long haul. It it involves remaining constantly aware of the power and presence of Jesus with you. Listen, we will not abide 
If we constantly forget that Jesus is with us, that Jesus is the only one that we need. If we're just kind of living our lives oblivious to him, and then we come to church and we're like, oh yeah, Jesus again. And then we come back into our lives and we're oblivious again. Like that's not going to work for abiding. Uh, abiding involves remaining constantly connected to him. So once I'm aware, it's not just then that I'm indifferent to him. Like, like oh yeah, they're, they're, like I'm aware, but like, you know, maybe he's just looking over my shoulder, expecting me to perform for him or something like that. No, no, I'm connected to him through exercising faith in his power and presence with me. Faith is the fiber that connects the branches to the vine. And that constant connection of faith is one of constant dependence. Constantly receiving from him, receiving from his word so that I can respond in prayer. Receiving his love for me so that I can extend his love to others and be fueled properly. To abide, I must constantly remember that apart from Jesus, I can do nothing. We're going to see that this pursuit of abiding is the thing. And really the only thing for which you were created. It's the only thing that can give you life and purpose, and identity. It's the only way that you can actually bring glory to God. And it's the thing that God wants to consume, your thoughts and your desires and your motivations. This is it. Like, this is the Christian life in a nutshell. And so there could not be a more perfectly suited illustration of our relationship to Christ than this illustration of the vine and the branches and this word, abide. The parable itself is, is pretty straightforward. It's, it's easy to understand. Uh, verse 1 establishes that Jesus is the vine. And, and he specifically calls himself the true vine, so like I mentioned before, Israel was described in the Old Testament as the vine and it became their national symbol. Now I think that's kind of interesting because every time that Israel in the Old Testament is called the vine, God is straight up calling them out for producing bad fruit or not producing any fruit at all, right? And so they're like, yes, we're the vine. We're the vine that can't produce any fruit. And so Jesus says, I am the true vine the only source of life that can produce the fruit the Father seeks. Pastor Matt was talking about this last week from Colossians chapter two. Uh, you can't find life and produce fruit by trying to maintain the law, right? You, you can't find life and produce fruit by living according to the traditions of men. You can't find life and produce fruit by being something or doing something for God like all of the other religions of the world try to do. You can only find life and produce fruit when you are attached to and remaining in the true vine. That's why Jesus is exclusive. That's why not all roads lead to heaven. Because Jesus claimed to be the only source of eternal, true life. Jesus is the vine. And then verse 5 clarifies for us that people are the branches the branches only have life in relationship to the vine. They only have life in relationship to Jesus. And if they are united to him by faith, they produce fruit. And if they are not, they are thrown away. 
So you have the vine and the branches. And if you've been around the church for a while, if you've read your Bible a lot, you, you might have referred to this passage of scripture as the vine and the branches, right? Like that's what we call this, right? But there's this third character who we often forget about. You know who it is? The father. Look down at verse one again. The father is the vine dresser. The father is the vine dresser. And that's really important because that's where Jesus starts. And so that's where our point one is going to come from today. The father is actively tending the vine, seeking fruit. The father is actively tending the vine, seeking fruit. We have to start there or we're going to miss the whole motivation to abide in Christ. We're going to forget why this is even necessary. Why do I even need Jesus as a part of my life? Can't I just go on ignoring him? Because my life seems to be working fine without it. But if we know that the Father is actively tending the vine and he's looking for fruit, we're going to quickly discover that we need to abide in Christ. It's interesting, the word for vine dresser uh, that is used in this passage is often used of peasants and servants. I think that's, that's kind of a strange word to use for the God of the universe, right? But it's the word that is used for a farmer who has not hired a manager over his vineyard. He's not hired servants over his vineyard. In other words, the father hasn't outsourced the job. He is personally invested in the vine. He's actively tending to the whole process from planting to harvest. And he is deeply concerned about the outcome. Listen, God cares about how you spend your life. And I think that's so important. This, is, this analogy is, is about the type of personal relationship that we have with God. I hear so many people say, uh, uh, it's not about religion, it's about relationship. And I'm like, yes, absolutely. Now, what kind of relationship do you have? Through faith in Jesus Christ, we have a real and living and personal and active God in our lives. And he is not just a topic for theological discussions. He's not the subject of some children's stories. He's good for my kids, but I don't really need him too much. He's not some distant force out there far away that we can't relate to and who doesn't know anything that's going on in our lives. He is present and active in his creation and he personally tends to the branches of the true vine. Isn't that comforting? And so as he does tend to the vine, he's looking for something. Look at verse two. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes, that it may bear more fruit. Okay, tell me, what's the father looking for? Fruit. Good, you guys are good students of the word. Fruit is the produce of the vine. And it's the whole reason that you plant a vineyard, right? Like the farmer would be crazy if he planted the vineyard and then he didn't expect to see any fruit. I would have been crazy if I planted my garden and I didn't expect to see any fruit. And so the father has planted, get this, he's planted the choicest of vines. He has sent his own son into the world that he created, that we might be united to him through faith. 
And he did that so he would receive more glory from the salvation of sinners by his son and so that humanity would be brought from death to life in Jesus Christ and that we would be restored into this perfect relationship with God that he intended before the fall. The relationship in which the beauty of his grace and love and truth and holiness would be magnified and he would be glorified as we are most satisfied in him forever. The father is looking for fruit. So some of us might be asking that, okay, then what kind of fruit is he looking for? What's he looking for? Like what kind of fruit is Jesus talking about? And and we got to be careful here because Jesus doesn't get specific. And so we shouldn't either. We shouldn't try to impose something upon the text that isn't there. Uh, But here's a, a problem that I think we often face. We get hyper focused on one specific element of fruit. And then we kind of neglect the other parts. And I don't know about you, but I, I can do this. And I, I talk to believers all the time who, who, who can tend to do this. Uh, we, we get focused on the part of spiritual fruit that, that we feel like we're doing best at. Like, like, here, God, look at this fruit. And then all this rotten stuff is over here that we don't really want to pay attention to. Or uh, we can focus on the fruit that we were trained to think about most by our pastor growing up. Or, or maybe one that's emphasized in our church the most. Maybe we tend to focus on the part of spirit, spiritual fruit that we feel most guilty about. So instead of focusing on the one that we're doing best at, we're just fixated on the one that we're you know, still struggling in. And, and, and really God is producing all kinds of stuff, but we're just like, oh, he must hate me, he must hate me. Maybe it's a specific character trait that we think is most important or how many people we lead in a sinner's prayer or, or what spiritual disciplines we're checking off the list and we're just like, what fruit is God looking for? What fruit is God looking for? And so, so because we tend to think about one element of fruit and we like kind of fixate upon it, I want us to spend a moment today thinking about three elements of spiritual fruit. Three elements of spiritual fruit. We have to understand what the Father is looking for so that we understand just how much we need Jesus in order to produce it. So I want you to to think about a grape. I I brought some grapes along this morning, and they're going to fall all over the place and probably get smashed up into the carpet. So let's clean those up before we storm the front. But, but you have a grape, right? And it feels like a really simple little tiny fruit. I love, the, I love grapes. This is one of the few fruits that I actually can eat. And, and, uh, and so uh, you have a lot of parts in a grape. You, you have the outer skin. And then you have the meaty inside. And then in most grapes that are actually good grapes or producing grapes, you have, you have the seed inside. Apparently grocery stores don't sell seeded grapes anymore. I don't know why. It's like everybody just wants seedless. Um, And so when it comes to spiritual fruit, I want us to start here. We have to think about that inward meat of character. Like when I, I don't know if you can hear that, bite into a grape. I love that that crunch sound, that crisp sound, that juicy burst into your mouth. And that's what causes the inward, that's what causes, the inward meat is what causes that sound, that feeling. And God gets glory when the inward meat of your character is transformed because he is the only one who can do that work. 
Galatians 5.22 says, but the fruit of the Spirit, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. It's the fruit of the Spirit. It's not the fruit of you. It's the fruit of the Spirit. It's what characterizes him. And when we experience sacrificial, Christ-like love for our brother or sister in the faith, or when we experience this supernatural joy in the face of a hard trial, or when we have kindness or compassion against the, on those who have sinned against God or have sinned against us or others, we can know that that is a fruit that only God produces. That is not the way that the world lives. And when we see those things, we, we can point back to God, but when we don't see those things, we can know that the source of the problem is that I'm not abiding in Christ. The inward meat of character will then always show itself in the, in the second element of fruit, the, the outward skin of obedience, right? So, so grapes, they have this great skin. That's what, you know, adds to the crunch. And uh, I'm going to keep eating this grape. Paul prayed for the church at Colossae that they would walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him. Here it is, bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. Their their walk with the Lord, their good works, you could say their obedience to God was the fruit of their knowing God through the gospel of Jesus Christ. And this would also be the the fruit of, of words that conform to Christ. That external part That people see and they know that Jesus has made a difference in us. You can't just say, Jesus is working in my heart, but you don't see it anywhere else in my life. Inward meat, outward skin, and then this third element of fruit, uh, the multiplying seed of ministry. What what I love about the picture of fruit, except for my uh, lifeless grapes down here who don't have a seed. What I love about the picture of fruit, though, is that fruit carries the seed for the vine to grow and more plants to be produced. And spiritually speaking, when we're abiding in Christ, Jesus uses the fruit that he produces in us to produce life and fruit in someone else. Whether that's our encouragement that we bring or, or an exhortation or, or whether we serve somebody and that produces fruit in them or, or simply this like contagious joy and love and peace that they're just like, man, I'm around you and I see it. I see Jesus in you and it, it rubs off on me. Really, that's the essence of spiritual gifts. If you think about it, like the Lord is using the produce of what he's planted in us as a way of building up the church through us. The Apostle Paul said this to the Philippian church. He says, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. By the way, that that is a perfect picture of abiding in Christ, right? That that I see that my entire life can be defined by Jesus so that to be with him is everything. And, And that's what fueled Paul's multiplying work of ministry. He said this next. He says, if I am to live in the flesh, that means fruitful labor for me, And convinced of this, I know that I will remain and continue with you all for your progress and joy in the faith. 
Everything that Paul did was for the sake of helping others enjoy and progress in an abiding relationship with Jesus. Once you understand, uh, abiding in Christ is not a you by yourself with your Bible and Jesus thing. Uh, abiding in Christ is also going to affect the people around you. It's the heart posture that fuels you while on mission. And so here's the botany of spiritual fruit, the inward meat of character, the outward skin of obedience, and the multiplying seed of ministry. And the Father is not just looking for one part of fruit. He, he wants the whole thing. Like, when you look at a grape, if you just have that inward meat and you don't have the skin on the outside, you're like, I don't have a grape. I got mush. And if you just have the skin and not the, the meat inside, that's not going to be very good either. And so often we think about fruit like, like I'll work on this character trait. And then I'll, I'll work on that area of obedience. And then maybe down the road, I'll get to serving others and, and multiply some ministry. But that's just not the way it works. Like you can't have one of these elements without the other. They rise and fall together. You can't have genuine obedience that doesn't come from a heart that is transformed by the power of God. And you can't have a heart of character that doesn't show itself in obeying God and multiplying ministry to others. The Father is seeking all three elements of fruit from the branches of his vine. And so Jesus is clear in the analogy that there are two types of branches. Look at verse two again. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. So there's two types of branches. The first is, is non-fruit-bearing branches. And these are the branches that are taken away. This is a person like Judas. He, he had been with the disciples for three years. He had been right in amongst them. He had followed Jesus superficially. But after Jesus had washed the disciples' feet, he got up and he walked out of the room to betray him. See, obviously Judas did not believe that Jesus was who he claimed to be or he would have never done that. Obviously, he was more in love with the world than he was with Jesus. He was seeking life and satisfaction from someone or something other than Christ. And so here's the hard reality, that there are people who look like they are followers of Jesus who will prove that by their lack of fruit, they were never truly followers of Jesus. Like, I, I hate to say it, but there's probably people like that sitting right here in our midst today. And I'm not looking at anybody because I don't, I don't know any of you. But is it you? That you think that just because you're here at church, just because you're kind of learning the lingo and you're in among the branches, that, that you're connected to the vine. There are branches that are going to be taken away. But then true disciples are different. They're branches that bear fruit and are pruned. Again, back to John 15, 2. Every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes 
that it may bear more fruit. Already you are clean because of the word I have spoken to you. That, that word for clean is a really interesting word. It actually comes from the same root word as the word for prunes. And so uh, if you look at the Greek words, they're almost identical. And Jesus is saying, uh, you have already been cleaned. You've already been pruned. Uh, you've already had the world removed out of you. And now the Father is going to continue pruning you to maximize fruit production. There's an initial cleaning that happens at the moment of salvation when you're grafted into the vine. And Jesus says it's because of the word that has been spoken to them. The, the word of the good news that Jesus was Savior and Lord, very God of very God who had come down from heaven as the only way to the Father. It's the truth that he would save them from their sin by dying on a cross and rising again. And because that word was spoken to them and because they took it in, they believed it, they are clean. They're attached to the vine through faith. And now... There's going to be a continual pruning process in their lives so that they would bear more fruit. It should be the ex expectation of every follower of Jesus Christ that they will be pruned throughout their life. If you're going to follow Jesus, just expect it. There's going to be pruning because the act, Father is actively tending the vine, seeking fruit. Now, now think about this. Pruning is not exactly fun for the branch, is it? <laughs> like pruning means that something is getting chopped off and the branch was, was channeling nourishment and resources that were given for the sake of, of bearing fruit. He, the branch is channeling that to parts of the branch that are not bearing fruit. So maybe there's like a cluster of leaves over here or something. There's just no flower coming there. And, and so God's like, you know what? That's getting chopped off so that all of the nutrients are going now to that which will produce fruit. That's pruning. The Father will prune branches so that the life of Christ produces fruit in them. Sometimes he'll remove dependencies in our lives. Things that we would turn to other than Christ. Sometimes he'll, he'll keep us from a dependency, something that's going to become a dependency. And God's like, I know that's a good thing a lot of times, but for you, it's going to take my place and I don't want it in your life. This could be an experience or an identity that we've pursued. It could be a substance or an addiction. It could be a person, even a child. He will remove those things so that Jesus is our only source of life. And sometimes the Father will add affliction or allow persecution to help us to see the danger of life apart from him. Sometimes this is as simple as that uncomfortable feeling that you get when you're convicted of sin. It's pruning. Whatever it looks like for you, I, I just wonder, have you seen it? Have you seen the Father's pruning in your life? I don't mean to be harsh, but I really hope that you have because it means that you're part of the vine. <laughs> like, remember, God, God doesn't take time pruning branches that are not a part of the vine. He, he just lets them go. He takes them away and he throws them into a fire. And so if you have experienced pruning, which can be difficult, <laughs> 
Very difficult. I, I want you to know this. I believe that somebody here might need to hear this this morning. The Father is not seeking fruit because he wants to take something from you. The Father is seeking fruit because he wants to produce life in you. The Father is not seeking fruit because he wants to take something from you. The Father is seeking fruit because he wants to produce life in you. And I think too often we go through seasons of pruning and we think like, what do you want from me, God? This really hurts. Can't we be done with this now? Like, can't this be over? Like, why are you testing me so hard? Don't you know that it's kind of hard to produce fruit when I'm under so much duress and when I feel so weak? But your heavenly Father knows that in your sin and in your weakness, you are prone to misdirect and waste the life that he has provided for you in Christ. And he knows that you will seek life in places that provide immediate but fleeting power and satisfaction. And ultimately, he knows that you cannot produce fruit without the watchful care of his pruning. The father is actively tending the vine, seeking fruit. And so if you're like most people, that I know at least, you're going to read those first two verses and you might get worried. You might start to, to get a little bit anxious and say, well, which one am I? Like, am I, am I the branch that produces fruit or not fruit? Well, like, how do I know if I'm producing enough fruit? And what if I feel like I can't produce more fruit? What if God gets fed up with me and I become one of the branches that he just throws away? And our natural tendency is to get all focused on the fruit as if God commanded us to produce fruit apart from the vine. But I want you to notice something. That so far in these first three verses that we've looked at, there is not one single command. Not one command yet. Jesus has told them what the Father's looking for. He's told them that that he is the vine. He's told them about branches that produce fruit and branches that do not. He's given them a word of assurance. Already you are clean because of the word which I have spoken to you. In other words, you are not branches who are going to be taken away. That was Judas. He's gone. But you are clean. The Father will continue pruning you, but you are those who have a connection to me by faith. And so here's what I command you. Verse four, abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. Our one job is to abide in Jesus as the only source of life who can produce the fruit the Father seeks. And so with the rest of our time today, I just want us to focus and land on this one fact because it is the most important thing to understand when it comes to living the Christian life. Jesus is the only source of life who can produce the fruit the Father seeks. I just want to land there so that we know where to go once we understand that the Father is seeking fruit.
These six verses have only one command, and it's not bear fruit. The only command is abide. Abide. Remember our definition, to remain in constant awareness of, connection to, and dependence on the power and presence of our loving Savior. And so if you're looking at your life and you're like, I'm not sure if I see fruit, or I'm not sure if I see enough fruit, maybe God isn't pleased with me because I'm experiencing this pruning. The answer is not Go bear more fruit. It's not try harder, do better. The answer is return to that place of constant awareness of and connection to and dependence on the power and presence of your loving Savior. The answer is go back to the source of life. For every one look at fruit, Take 10 looks at Jesus. For every one look at fruit, take 10 looks at Jesus. Cry out to him as the one who hears and admit your total need for him. Allow his word to flood your mind as the Holy Spirit brings it to recollection. Remember the benefits of his gospel in which he has freed you from the power of sin and raised you to new life in Christ. Receive the encouragement of his church and take in the ordinances that he's given you. Realize the personal presence of the Holy Spirit who indwells you. And then walk forward in faith that he is able to do everything in you and through you that he wants to as you simply surrender in this next moment to him. Notice that there's a back and forth reciprocal nature to abiding in verse four. He says, abide in me and I in you. As you come to him in faith and dependence, he he fills you afresh with his loving power and presence to produce the fruit that only he can produce. Jesus makes this explicitly clear in verse five. He says, abide in me and I in you as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine. Neither can you unless you abide in me. He's so clear here, and yet so often we miss this truth. Uh, The branch cannot bear fruit by itself. So listen, there is no internal change of character. There is no external work of obedience. There is no multiplying work of ministry that you can perform for God. In the sense that God gives you a command and then he says, like, go do it. He expects you to perform and then you come back and you show him the results and is he gonna be pleased with it or not? And I'm not quite sure. And is it, is it gonna be enough or not? No, he gives, the, he gives you the command. He kills the sin nature in you through the cross of Jesus Christ. Remember, he nailed it to the cross He gives you new life. He raises you with Christ. He gives you new desires through him. He gives you the Holy Spirit to empower you and he performs the results in you. The work is entirely of him. It's entirely him. The Christian life is all of one of faith in Christ that yields to his power and presence in every moment. 
And yet we can all feel this gap between the fruit that the Father is seeking and what we are actually producing. We can all feel this gap between the fact that the Father is seeking fruit and we don't have what it takes to produce it and we know that we should be producing more and it makes us feel like we're falling short. It makes us feel like we can't measure up. And God is saying, I know that you can't produce the fruit that I'm seeking. That's why I've attached you to the vine. Jesus knows this better than you do. He says, apart from me, you can do nothing. So he gives the simple command. And I've been learning to hear this as an invitation even. Abide in me. Child, abide in me. I love you. I'm with you. I'm sufficient to complete the work that I've started in your life, in your church. Come to me and find all of the life that you're ever going to need. And many of us feel that gap that the Father is seeking fruit and we don't have what it takes to produce it. But I I just wonder this. Do we feel it enough? Do we feel it enough? Like, do we really believe the words, apart from me, you can do nothing? Like, like nothing. Not not a little bit of fruit that's going to be enough to, to get us by and satisfy the basic requirements of God. We can do nothing. I mean, sure, we could, we could build up the kingdoms that, of, of this world and we could build up all of our own uh, you know, thrones and, and, and we can do all of the things that would satisfy our fleshly desires, but anything that the fa- Father is seeking, any fruit that the Father is seeking, apart from me, you can do nothing. Think about the internal fruit of character. Do you seek to produce character by reading self-improvement books or doing humanistic programs? It might produce some temporary results, but it's not the fruit God is seeking. When you think about growing in character, do you just try harder next time when you get angry or impatient? That's not what God is wanting from you. He's not wanting your best efforts. He's wanting you to cast yourself before Jesus and admit that you are helpless without him. And then through prayer and the word, do battle in his power. Think about the external fruit of obedience. Do you obey God as a way of performing for him and others? As if he's the audience and you're the main actor and he's, he's just going to be so impressed with all of the things that you're doing for him. Apart from Christ, our greatest act of obedience is tainted with the sin of self-sufficiency and self-righteousness and self-gratification. And that's not saying that you stop obeying him. Like, don't, hear, don't go tell him, Pastor Matt, that I told you to stop obeying God. It's instead that you go to him in dependence 
for the true heart of obedience that only comes from Christ. Think about the multiplying fruit of ministry. And if you're teaching in a Harvest Kids class or you're greeting on a Sunday morning or you're setting up, you're showing the love of Christ, you're serving others, whatever ministry you do, whatever you're a part of here in working for Christ, do you realize that it's not you who is the main worker? He's working in you. You're working with him and Even that might not be the best way to say it because it sounds like you're on equal playing field. You're just there. (laughs) You're a vessel. But we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that the surpassing power belongs not to us, but to God. Ultimately, God is seeking the fruit of his true vine, his son, not the fruit of dead branches who try to produce life on their own. And that's the reality of verse six. It says, if anyone does not abide in me, he's thrown away like a branch and withers and the branches are gathered and thrown into the fire and burned. You see, without Jesus, we're dead. That's how we start out. We start out dead, destined for hell, destined for eternal, fiery, conscious torment. We start out dead. We can't do anything to produce life or fruit. Any life that has been provided for us is the life of Christ in us. There is no other Christian life apart from that. And to abide is to come into that genuine union with Christ through faith and then live out of that faith every moment of every day. Romans says that the righteous shall walk by faith. It means that our old, dead sin nature has been crucified with Christ and that the life of our risen Savior is now the source of our lives in him. And so if you've never come to that place of of believing in Jesus as Savior and Lord, if you've never come to that place where you realize that he has lived the perfect life that you could never live, if you've never come to that place where he died the death that you deserve to die in your place for your sin, If you never come to the place where you realize that he rose again and he conquered the enemy that you could never conquer, Satan, sin, and death, and that he provides his new life in you as he sits right now at the right hand of the Father waiting to return again to judge the living and the dead, if you've never come to that place of faith, then you need to come to that place today. That is how you enter into the abiding relationship with Jesus Christ. That is how you are attached to the vine. And if you have put your faith and trust in Jesus as Savior and Lord, abiding is then living out that faith in a constant awareness of and connection to and dependence upon the power and presence of your loving Savior. It's fully resting in the truth that he has done all for you and that you cannot make God love you more and that he's with you and he's imparting to you everything that you need in the moment to live the life that he's called you to live. And in the moment after that, and in the moment after that, it's fully trusting that he will do all for you. 
as you come to him in prayer and you take him at his word and as you pursue him together as a people, he's gonna produce the fruit the father is seeking. He will do it. We have to be convinced that without him, we can do nothing before we can then come to abide in him. And so, I want you to spend some time right now with the Lord admitting your total need for him. I'm just gonna lead you in prayer. And as you pray, I want you to not only admit your need, but believe his provision for you. He's given you the vine. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we are so grateful for the gift of Jesus. We are so grateful because without him we are dead. And we confess that that we need him for everything. We need him for our very life and breath. We know that you want to produce something in us that is eternal. You want to produce something in us that is truly life and life abundant. And we confess, Lord, that we fall short of that. We confess that that we need you. Maybe just in the quietness of this next moment, take some time personally confessing before God your need for him. Maybe there is an area of fruit that you know needs to grow to maturity. Maybe there's a part of the branch that needs to be cut off. Just take a moment to surrender to him. Before him to just say, Jesus, apart from you, I can do nothing. But with your power and presence with me, I believe, I believe that you will do everything that you want to in my life. Father, I pray for my brothers and sisters here that you would produce an abundance of character, of a heart that is after you, of, uh, that the fruit of the spirit of love and joy and patience and kindness and goodness and faithfulness and gentleness and self-control would be so evident coming from Harvest Philadelphia. I, I pray for my brothers and sisters that, that you would produce uh, obedience that is surrendered to you and walking in your ways And I pray that you would produce the fruit of ministry that is the clarity that Jesus is at work here. That is a heart of love toward one another. That the world might know that these are your disciples. And that you might receive much glory from the fruit that is born. Lord, we look to you to do your work. 
And we pray these things in the name of Jesus. Amen. Thank you for listening to this audio from Harvest Bible Chapel, Philadelphia. For more audio, content, and information about our church, visit harvestphiladelphia.org.